Hobby Addict の時間です It's time for Hobby Addict And now here are your anime addicts Hey guys, welcome to Hobby Addicts episode number 252. Of course, I'm your host, Mitsugi, and I'm joined on, a, on the, the first of Hobby Addicts of March, I guess, by the one only. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, it's March already. Spring is upon us, Mason. How are you? Oh no. Oh boy.、Uh, I'm doing fine. The, the weather, it started flirting with like. The, the 50s started getting really up there, and then it dipped back down. But I think tomorrow、uh, in the Midwest, it will be lovely. It will be the 60s. It will be glorious, and I am ready. Any, have you done any sun dances lately?、Uh, I've, been, I've been continuing my encouragement of the sun, giving it a little pep talk day to day, but it's, it's doing well. It's doing well. It's feeling the vibes. I'm feeling its vibes, and I'm giving it right back. So I'm doing,、wow. I'm doing it. You're welcome, America. I've done this. <laughs> well, it is,、um, you know, it's just been just about a year now since the pandemic started. So, the, the, yeah, the, almost, the, almost exactly. Yeah. So, I'm just looking at,、uh, well, we'll get into it here in a second, but I was just looking at the, at the stock chart, and, and、uh, March 7th last year was right in the midst of the market crashing. So, You were involved with the, the stonks, as the kids call it these days. You were, you were involved back in that time, correct? Well, I wasn't really at the time. You know,、um, We'll talk about this a lot more, but、um, well, we'll get into it. I mean, today we're going to talk about Dune. Mason, I guess you finished the book Dune, right? Is that correct? I did. I done did it. You done did the thing. Exactly. How many pages is that book? Ooh,、uh, four. 86, I'm going to guess, and I'm going to look it up. But it was like mid to high 400s, I think. Okay. Dune book. Let's see what it says. Well, I know it's a very famous book. And、um, so we'll talk about 412, that. 412. 412. I, I guess I was counting all the,、uh, the glossaries and maps and appendices and appendices and all that stuff. <laughs> well, I don't know what I was thinking about because that is not nearly as long as I thought. I, I was thinking like, like you know, a thousand pages or something, but. 412 is still a good length for a book. So we'll talk about that. And honestly, guys, I just really didn't do a whole lot this week. Like, I don't know. I don't know, like, what happened. I've been trying to watch. I've been trying to watch these、um, more retro animes at night. And I'm watching. I'm like, I'm thinking, I think I'm going to be watching the Midnight Classic series on Retro Dive because it's got, like, a lot of horror in there. And I just. Been getting my ass kicked at work so much that it, I, I'm so I started watching this this interesting, like, I guess it's an OVA called Lily Cat. I don't know if you've seen it, Mason. I've heard of it, but I've never actually gotten around to watching it. It's very much like the movie Alien, where like, where like an、mm-hmm. alien gets in a spaceship and starts just killing people.、Um, so it's 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 pretty interesting, and that like you just don't see too many anime like that. But it's only just to give you an idea of how like exhausted I've been. Th- this this anime. Is only 40 minutes long, and I've been trying to finish it the whole week. And I, I just can't, I can't, stay, <laughs> I can't stay awake more than about four minutes. 
into it, and it's really, it's it's really not very good. But I mean, it's it's. But I'm enjoying it because it's old. But so I just didn't really do a whole lot. I did play Thirteen Sentinels a little bit, but it has this like just brutally long prologue that's pre- prevented me from really exploring the game in a way that well I would want to before talking about it. So. So I thought that like I know my, I know Mason's been dim playing around in the stock market, and I obviously um, talk about the stock market all the time. So you know, and I consider that a hobby. So I thought we'd just kind of rap about that a little bit. And there are probably some people that are interested in you know investing. And if and and if you and if you're not and if you're not interested in investing, you know, it might be something to like think about. You know, because it can set you can set you up for a pretty nice future if you. Uh, you know, if you're careful about it. So, but, but, but let's start with Dune because, you know, that's more in line with what we normally do on this, uh, <laughs> on this sort of like side podcast, right? So, uh, yeah, exactly. So, exactly. Talk, for, for the people who read that is. So, t- yeah, exactly. So, tell me about this book, uh, Mason. So, Dune obviously is a landmark classic book. And I started reading this because. There was the announcement for the upcoming 2021 movie adaptation. So the movie is coming out on October 1st. And this is uh, a series that's well regarded. And I have not seen the 1984 like David Lynch adaptation, which I've heard is terrible. (laughs) And so I, I was like, oh, Dune, I heard it had a bad movie. And I just tend not to be a fan of sci fi movies. I think they tend to focus so much on either the special effects or the scientific techno babble, or these like the big intergalactic colossal battles. And that's just not really what interests me mm-hmm. because when I read sci-fi books, I tend to enjoy them. And, you know, I think because they're kind of limited by their medium, by having to not go crazy with the visuals, you get stuff like war of the worlds. Um, Do androids dream of electric sheep, which actually did have a good ad- adaptation. Cause that like inspired blade runner and the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Right. So yep. I've always was aware that there was this entity called Dune, but I was never much compelled to check it out until, like I mentioned, the the trailer came out and a bunch of people were really hyped on it. And I was like, you know what? I've, I've got time now. I should start it up. So this is a 1965 book by Frank Herbert. And I am super glad that I checked it out because I can't recommend it enough. And it's so strange when a... A, a work that is so like revered and like hailed as a classic and you're like I'll I'll give it a shot and it absolutely lives up to expectations you're like man like why didn't I check this out sooner and it gave me that kind of feel do you find that you're more often than not disappointed with with uh works like that there's like too much hype I I feel like novels I don't but sometimes like movies or anything that is more quick and instant because I feel like the the time commitment to watch a movie, let's say, is like two, two and a half hours. Like you get so many more of the masses who can watch it and be like, wow, this movie was amazing. And like beef it up, whereas a book to be heard that is something good, it usually takes 20 plus hours to like invest your time into. So it kind of like weeds out the more, I don't know, passerbyers yeah. and. Yeah, so that's maybe just my thing. Yeah, it's like it's like having an entry fee when you're playing like a poker game. You know, you don't have all the all the scrubs in there because you and you're only getting like the real players. 
Exactly, exactly. Um, not to say that I'm any <laughs> better, but it's just my take. So if you have any passing interest in science fiction and have not read Dune, uh, please check it out. I won't spoil anything talking about it here, but I I don't want to give you an excuse to not check it out. Essentially, it is the story of Paul Atreides, whose family, who is led by his father, the Duke, um, they accept a stewardship on this planet, Arrakis. And this planet, known as Dune, is like inhospitable, it's like sparsely populated, and it's just a desert wasteland. And it's pretty much unlivable for the entire surface of it. And the reason why we care about this planet called Dune is that it is the only known source in the entire universe of this, what they call the melange, or a spice. And that spice, with quotes around it, is essentially a drug. And that drug kind of... Uh, it's like cocaine on superpowers. Like it, <laughs> so it's not a. It food. gives you like, no, no. It's not like something you season your life with, but it is. It extends your life a little bit. It gives you like enhanced mental capabilities, and it most often is used for like space navigation. So like, I guess in this in this solar system, like going through the multi dimensional verse, like requires this like out-of-body, like, awareness and foresight that only this drug provides. So essentially, like, this is a key uh, component of the entire universe's economy, and it's only found here. So to have control of this planet is to be ha- having all the chips. Like control, so, control of space travel or something. Exa- exactly, exactly. So, like, holding on to the, the one, like, production line of, of the spice is both like highly coveted, which means it's highly dangerous because everybody wants to own that. Mm-hmm. And essentially the the story, like I said, it's 412 pages, I think I said. It's not 420, so big mistake there. <laughs> but it is in a series. There's six books in the series. Um, I, I think it's widely considered you only really should read the first three, and I'm working my way through the second one now. But... What is so good about this book, and here's my my pros list, here's the bullet points, is that there's, like, no filler in the novel at all. Like, every single chapter is, the, the author is like, what is the most interesting thing going on at this moment? And let me tell that story. And as soon as that event is over, it jumps to the next event. Like, it, you know, assumes that you're smart enough to kind of piece these thing to, things together and doesn't, like, spend pages like rambling about this thing or this interplay like no it's you feel like you're always reading the highlight of something and that makes it really easy to keep on going there's no bullshit exactly exactly everything ties together everything has a piece that comes up later so I, i just found it really engaging and speaking of engaging the the world building is ingenious and it's probably the best part of the book more than like the characters but just this whole like world, this whole political, ecological, like philosophical realm that like exists on this desert planet is just teeming with creativity and immersion. And you just, you feel like you understand what it's like to live on this desolate wasteland and why the people, you know, fair people or outsiders or otherworlders or whatever it is the way, like it, everything just makes sense. And it's just well-written and it's honestly probably one of the most like 
poetic sci-fi novels I've ever read. Like it just, it's I like every time I would sit down and read, I was astounded how often I would just like have to like lean back, put the book down and be like, wow, that felt like really quotable or profound or poetic. And it just, I kind of regret not like keeping a list of like my favorite lines of like dialogue or quotes because it just is insanely quotable. You've obviously listener probably have heard the classic quote, which which is like fair is the mind killer, but that's just kind of like a, a passing thing that they say often. Whereas there's just a lot of sentences where it just, you're like, wow, that was really well done. And I appreciate the construction and time it took to get that payoff. So like when I think about Dune, I always think of the des of the desert, right? Yeah. So I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. So like how, and I, and I know this story probably has a lot of conflict in it, but are we having like wars on the surface of like the desert planet or is it more like inter intergalactic space battles type of type of deal? Or are we like, you know, I'm just trying to get, so trying to get the, a feel for how the action is, is engaging the reader. Yeah. So like the first maybe 20 pages, 50 pages, I don't know, uh, is it follows this one family, the Tradius family who they start the series off on their like home planet. They're kind of like packing up everything. They're loading up their cargo to go to Dune. And once they get there, which is pretty early on, the entire the entire thing is from their point of view. So it all takes place on the surface of this planet. So you have like enemies coming in from outer space, but they, they land on the planet and then they engage in conflict. Mm-hmm. So it's all okay. very much on. There's no like spaceship battles yet. It just seems interesting to me that like the planet has this like spice on it that is is coveted, but the planet's like uninhabitable. You'd think they'd find a way to like. I, I assume it comes out of the ground or something. So you'd you'd think there'd be like at least some kind of a city based around like the excavation of the of the mineral or whatever the hell it is. So there is. It's very much a mystery on how both spice is formed and how water is, like, preserved on this planet. Mm-hmm, yeah. And there is, like, a city, but it is very much, like, the the current owners of Arrakis are very much these, like, brutal tyrants who are just treating it as, like, a mining operation. Who just, like, we're just here to, like, work the people who live here to death to get what we need to make a profit. Like, they have no... No aspirations of like terraforming it to make it more of a livable situation and like one of the big like to like really highlight how like in how spot inhospitable this this book is is like the preservation of water is so essential that like the people who work out in the desert like we're essentially these suits designed to like catch their sweat to like gross use that to like drink to Ew. like fuck like like it's it's funny because like you're like oh water is such a big deal on this planet like a sign of of like respect is like spitting at someone because you're like look i am like willing to give up some of my fluids for your for you like that sign of respect like in one scene somebody dies and paul our main character starts crying and everyone on the planet loses their shit because they're like oh my goodness he he's giving up his water. He's giving up his thing. Like that's like how precious it is. So like 
you really get into that mindset of like everything. Like when someone dies, they have like a whole ritual. I'm like, how can we drain this body for as much liquid as we can? Oh my God. Like it, it's, it's so cool. It's so it's radical. Sick, it's extreme. So, so let's see here. I'm on IMDb. And then there was there's a Dune movie. I guess it's a movie from two thousand from nineteen from nineteen eighty four. Yep, that's the David Lynch one, which I've heard nothing but bad things about. Okay, then there's a Dune miniseries from two thousand called Dune, starring William Hurt. And then there's a and then there's a Children of Dune from two thousand three. That that looks like uh, that's a miniseries. And then there's there's so much Dune shit in here. And then there's there is. and then there's Dune Drifter, and they all and all of and I'm assuming they're all related. They all have the same sort of like title imagery and what what's the story with everybody having like these like glowing blue eyes? Because in the in the in the in the in the, in the Dune from 2000, I'm like flipping through the pictures and everyone has like these like fluorescent glowing blue eyes. It's very so in the book, it's described that if you partake too much of that spice too much of that melange the the thing that they produce on dune because people will like eat it and consume it as a drug uh one of the side effects is you get what they call the blue within blue eyes where essentially the whites of your eyes are replaced with like this deep dark blue Mm. and like that's a sign of like the the drug addiction is that you've been consumed by this and that's like how you can tell someone is like like a local on the planet is like they all have the blue on blue and all like the newcomers have the whites of their eyes. Yeah, that's interesting because it's like here's like a little kid who has the blue eyes. So there's like he's like he can't be more than or maybe Smart it's kid. Or maybe it's a girl. <laughs> I guess, but like I guess this this, this little kid's a uh, a spice addict. He's been he is he's been doing spice li- boy. <laughs> he's been doing lines of spice. Exactly. All so right, well, it, it's a, it's a good book. The only negatives I have on it, um, one the villains are like very like basic they're very lacking nuance like the villain shows up and he's obviously like playing into these roles like he's this big fat lumbering dude who just like has a bunch of scars and like is like so overtly evil like there isn't really a like and it's like so obvious and cheesy that like i wonder if they will develop further on in the series but for now it's like kind of so obvious that this is the bad guy I don't know. It seems a little basic. And the other problem is uh, there's a bunch of like really cool, like made up words in this book. Oh, okay. I mean, you might've heard of like shy who ludes before, which are these like massive uh, like desert worms that are like hundreds of meters long with like, you remember that scene in uh pirates of the Caribbean where in like the second one where this like Davy Jones monster, like picks up Jack and there's like, it's like a circular animal with just like rows and rows and rows of teeth all the way down. Maybe. Maybe. I'm, I'm, just, thinking, I, I'm I'll, just thinking. Maybe of, I'll give you a picture. All I'm thinking of is tremors when I think sandworms. So. Let me uh, just just go to Google. Search up Shy Halud. S-H-A-I-H-U-L-U-D. Let's, let's see if that gives us any picture. Uh, uh, no, it doesn't. Never mind. Shy uh, Abort. Well, anyway, there's a bunch of really cool made-up words in this book. And I mean, there's, there's pictures on here. Shy Hulu. There's a couple, but they're not how I imagine it. So oh, okay. it's not what I'm. Th- <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's it's they're big old things, but and that's fine. But there's so many of these made-up words, and the author really wanted to use them at the beginning. I think so. At the very beginning of the book, there's constantly like 
you have to be flipping to the glossary to like be like, oh, what does this word mean? Oh, what does Bene Gesserit mean? And you have to like go in. You're like, oh, it's it's a school or something. And like it gets a little bothersome at the beginning, but it definitely like tones it down, and then it just makes sense as you go on. So uh, if you're fine with that, recommend it. That's how those Crest of the Stars light novels are. There's mm-hmm. hundreds of words in the back that you have to kind of go back and forth constantly to figure out what the fuck they're, they're saying because, you know, there are, there's lots of, like, ob words that they're always interjecting. But these uh these shy halud things, I would not fuck with them. They are, wow, this is... Uh, they're, they're big boys, and, uh, like, one of the tests to, like, proving yourself as, like, a part of the tribe is you have to, like, wrangle and ride one of those. <laughs> Good friggin' luck. Wow. They're, uh, they're big, chonky boys. Yeah, they are giant. All right. Well, cool. I guess I'll check out the moon. That, the, I'm, I'm always down for a sci-fi movie, so, you know, I'll check out the, uh, I'll probably check it out when when it comes out later in the year. But also, the there's like a new Godzilla versus King Kong movie coming out, like, in a couple weeks. Yeah, this month. Yeah. So Definitely, definitely on Team Godzilla. I don't know about you, oh. but I'm definitely Team Spicy Iguana. Yeah, King Kong can eat shit. I mean, what the fuck? Catch these little tiny T-Rex hands, because Godzilla's... Goat. Now, of course, I predict that neither of them will win. They're not going. I don't yeah. think they're going to actually have a winner. But boy, do I want Godzilla to just give them the tail whip. Well, they never have a winner. Like even in the old one, which made me so angry when I was a kid because I was always a Godzilla fan. Because like I grew up on the Godzilla cartoon, you know, with Godzuki. And mm-hmm. you ever watched that cartoon, the Hanna Barbera? I have not. I have not. Well. You know, because in the mo- in like in one of the older movies, King Kong basically drives Godzilla back into the ocean, and he kind of flees, and presumably, you know, King Kong wins, but Godzilla doesn't die, and it's like bullshit. Like, there's no fucking way, there's no cool freaking way that King Kong would ever beat Godzilla. He would just laser breath you in half, and that would be the end of it. So, you know, he would just he would just like, you know, I, I don't understand how that works at all, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Godzilla's way too cool for his own good. Maybe we're just weeaboos and just <laughs> cheering for Godzilla because of that. Well, I mean, I don't know. If you think about it, I think there's like there's got to be at least three Godzilla TV series slash movies for every one that's King Kong. I mean, there's not that many King Kong movies, are there? Like a few? But there's like, I, there's, like there's probably act- more than I'm anticipating, but there's definitely not as many as Godzilla. I mean, there's a... Unless you want to count that movie with with Jack Black, that horrendous fucking movie. From 2005. Yeah, there's not that many of these. I mean, there's there's a few. Maybe five King Kong movies. Anyway. So, um, so stocks. So, I didn't own any stocks back in February of 2020 when the, when the stock market, you know, basically collapsed. I mean, it went from 30,000 down to... Man, it dropped it dropped so much. Thirty thousand down to like eighteen thousand five hundred. So, I mean, basically the stock market dropped by thirty percent or so. I think it's more like forty percent in like literally the span of well, all told, it was in the span of about a month. But like, um, you know, I think as more and more news came out about the the virus, people, you know, pulled their money out of like you know. Globs, but there were days. 
I just remember there were days where the market would drop like 5,000 points. And I was like, fuck, this is like the apocalypse. And But I didn't have any money in the market, you know, at that time. But, you know, there's, there's something to be said. Um, there have been some wise investors that have said things like, you really should only be in the stock market like three or four times in your life. And it's basically, and, and I'm not suggesting that that, you know, that really is the case, but, um, but it, it is something to think about. And those times are like when, like when the market is very opportunistic for you. So, but the key to being opportune is to having like a lot of liquidity on hand so you can take advantage of the moment when it comes. So like in my case, I, you know, you know, this is like a, this is like a money conversation. So people roll their eyes at it because not everybody has money to invest. But, but like in truth, everybody really does have money to invest. You just, you just may not have enough money to get rich. But like, you know, if you have if you have five hundred dollars, you know, if you had five hundred dollars when this before this happened, and you threw it in at the right time, you could have made a couple thousand bucks. You know, I mean, yeah, you know. So I mean, that's something. But like, you got to have money. So like, you know. I was kind of a person that was hoarding money for a long time before uh, the pandemic because, one, I like to have money on hand just as it makes me feel comfortable like with my living situation. And, uh, and two, you know, I know that moments like this happen. If you look at, if you look, if you pull up a, a, stock, a chart of the, of the, of like the overall like Dow Jones stock market for like the past, you know, 40 years or whatever. I've talked about this before, but you're going you're gonna to notice that about every 10 years, something very catastrophic happens on the stock market, and it causes the market to fall very harsh, very, very sharply all at once. So obviously, the coronavirus is, you know, clearly the obvious one from, you know, recent memory. But if you go back 10 years before that, um, in between... 2007 and 2009, stock market dropped about 50%, and that was the housing crisis. And then, mm -hmm. if you, and then if you go back before that, you got to go back to uh, maybe it was before before that it was nine before that it was like 9 the dot 11. com bubble. I think it was nine eleven before that, like um like in like the late nine in like the late nineties. And then before that, like in the late '80s, there was like, there was like the, some there was some fucking like stock market that has like there's like a name there's like a day that has a name where the market crashed. The point is that like every ten years something happens, and it gives you a good opportunity to invest. So, I this is just my personal story, but like, you know, I had some money that when the when the stock market went down, and I, I put about half of it in the market at the perfect time. And I just kind of got lucky that the market didn't continue to drop because I, I had about half my money in right at the bottom, like literally the very, very bottom of the market. Um, and I was kind of scrambling to, to find stocks at the time that had been like severely impacted, but that I thought were like very oversold. So like basically like everyone gets scared when stuff like this happens because no one wants to lose their money and people would just pull their money out of the market. It's not because they think like a stock is bad. It's just because they think that it's just going to keep dropping and they're trying to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. So they'll just try to, so they'll just start selling everything out of fear 
and and really like you can look up companies that have there's nothing wrong with them like there's no reason why their stock should drop um you know like in some cases there were like here's a great example there's a hotel there's a hotel that i bought called win resorts w-y-n-n it was like one of the first ones i bought and win resorts it's got win in the title it's got to be a victorious purchase it's a winner right (laughs) It, it 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 dropped from 140 to 60 to no it dropped lower than that let me see let me see here it dropped from 140 to 43 so and actually in fair actually in all, in all truth it was at a, it was at 150 it was at 151 and it dropped to 40 so i'm not sure what 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 percent that is but it's like 80% and if you look up like win resorts you know they're basically like a hotel. They have like a, they have I think they have like they have a casino in Vegas I think, but like they were holding like four billion dollars of cash, on in their on their balance sheet, mm-hmm. and you just look at that and you think to yourself, well they could just shut down the hotel and probably just like sit there for like five hundred years because they've got so much cash that like nothing is going to happen to this hotel. And so, like, to me, it was like, oh, well, there's no reason why I shouldn't buy this hotel because it's, it's, it's a safe bet. Like, it's, like all you, all you got to do is put your money in there and then just, not, and then just forget about it for a while, and it's going to come back. So, like, I don't know. I had a spreadsheet. I was scrambling for about a week to put it together, and I had a spreadsheet that had about 60 stocks on it, and it was mostly all the stuff from, like, the hotels, the cruises, the airlines, the energy stocks. Um, and everything few, that got hit hard, everything that got that you thought yeah. was going to come back, everything that got murdered, you know, and there's like various data points. It's like, oh, like, how were they like, what, like, what was their growth like before the, the crash? How much cash do they have? You know, it's most it was mostly like how much cash do they have and how much does it cost for them to like operate like daily? Because then you kind of know how many days they can just survive without doing any business. And then mm-hmm. I and then I just put my money in. You know, and it's like a, it's like a butt puckering moment because it's like, oh, well, if if the market dropped from thir- from thirty k to eighteen k in like a month, it could drop to like five k. You know, but exactly, and then that's the classic know. what you hear all the time in like technical analysis of stock like trading things is like you don't catch the falling knife when you get these big red candles of the market dropping in value. Ideally, you don't try to just say oh that looks like the bottom and swipe it you ideally wait for it to start like leveling out and turning around and you're like ah this is probably about the bottom let me buy it there but it's way more fun to just be like oh i want the most bottomest one let me just go for it i i'd love to hear like someone who is you know more experienced on stock trading than than myself because i'm by far not like an expert <laughs> obligatory um, not professionals we are both yeah. crayon eating goobers who have no idea what we're doing yeah, but yeah. are fortunate <laughs> enough to have money and just a steady enough job where we feel comfortable throwing some bones at this imaginary game of this this online casino that is the stock market in this modern era i don't th- have you ever eaten a crayon because i don't think that would be very good i, I don't think so but i can't put it past me no i'm pretty sure i've never had a crayon i might have eaten a crayon when i was little i mean i'm not sure i know mitts for a fact you've probably taken some deep whiffs of some like freshly uncapped sharpies before but (laughs) oh yeah Mm -hmm. probably intentionally 
Anyway, so my point was that like I'd be curious to hear like someone's analysis of that of, of like the market falling because it was falling so sharply that. I don't know that there was any. I don't know that there's any way to really have. I don't know if there are any technical indicators that would say to somebody, "Oh, it's going to stop." Because if you look at the chart back in like March last year, it it was like a it was like a brick in a swimming pool until it wasn't, and then it, and then it came back like a like a balloon underwater, right? I think when things are that volatile, I I don't I think all the rules go out the window. Ultimately, Mason, I th- I think I think the I think the the fact of the matter is that like. You got to kind of say, okay, well, um, post pandemic, assuming a company you buy doesn't go bankrupt, business will continue as it ha- as it had before, most likely, and this company is not worth, you know, twenty percent of what it used to be. Like it's the same company, and like when hotels is going to open up and they're going to have people gambling, and it's not worth twenty percent of what it used to be. So ultimately, ultimately, I think the idea is that like it doesn't really matter where the bottom is because trying to catch the bottom is kind of like folly in some ways. It's better to just say, okay, this is way, way undervalued and I'm just going to buy it because I know that in like two years, you know, it's going to have bounced back an awful lot. Um, and there's like, there's metrics you can use like, like, like book value versus um, market value, which is like, you know, the value of literally like the value of, of a company on its books, like, like it's physical assets, you know, um, like how many, like it's buildings, it's, it's, it's computers, it's cars, it's whatever. And then like, did you, you take all of like the, the, the market hype out of a stock and you're looking at like just the, what it's like true supposed value is. And some of these companies were like way under that, like they were trading at like half their book value, which mm-hmm. is like ridiculous. And then you have companies like Tesla that are like, they're trading at like, you know, 500 times their book value. It's like fucking ridiculous. Um, but, you know, so basically what I did was I, I put a bunch of money in and, and then I, I decided that I didn't really know how, the, how, how things were going to pan out. So I put like a little more in like every week until I ran out of money. Um, and then like every time I had generated a couple thousand dollars um, since after I had run out, I would put that in. Um, and I've done some interesting things in the last, like, uh, you know, couple months that we might, that we probably won't even have time to get into. But, like, I know you just got involved with stocks, I think. So, like, what has your experience been like? Yeah, I'm pretty new to the game overall. I I am one of the uh, the new boys on the, uh, the stock trading scene who new- joined... New kids on the stock. New kids on uh, the stock. Oh. <laughs> I joined with the whole like GameStop AMC kerfuffle that was going on with uh, Reddit on Wall Street Bets with everything that was going on with this, the stock of GME, which was severely undervalued by corporations and a bunch of dummies let's just call them online decided hey if we all buy the stock it will inflate the price and we'll all make money and it was definitely i think brought a ton of people into the stock sphere and just like i'm definitely learning a lot in the time i've been involved as short as it has like you definitely learn a lot when you have thousands of dollars fluctuating daily and i've made some good plays i've made some terrible plays i have just like 
dipped my toe into the, uh, I guess, kiddie pool of options trading, which is where you don't buy a stock, but you buy like a perception of where you think the stock will be. And it has uh, the possibility of earning a lot more at the risk of earning nothing at all. So I am definitely a like believer of the fact that like if you put money in at any time, it, you will eventually get, make money if you wait long enough. Like on a long enough time frame, whatever stock you have, provided it's not such a bad company that it will go bankrupt, will eventually make you money. So it's all about, you know, trusting that you're in a company that is adequate enough to survive and just being patient and not scared when all of a sudden, like earlier this week, where you lose like three thousand, six thousand dollars in one day and just be like, it will come back. It's all going to be OK. I'm not going to cry myself to sleep. I'm not betting more than I'm my like livelihood depends on. Right. And uh, it's definitely been fun, both learning you know, about like my own internal value of money, about like how companies work and how so much of the stock market is not a sham, but it, it it's so fickle that at this point, like I was trying to do day trades and earn like a couple bucks here and there. But now I'm just throw the money in a stock that I think is adequate and just wait it out is my current game plan well i mean and you're right like if you look at the stock market over like 40 years it, it, it always goes up it always does like um even like even like with the pandemic the stock market is like it's like 10 percent higher now than it was before the pandemic so we're, we're we've recovered from the pandemic and plus 10 percent um it just it's it is like a thing where if you just put your money in you will you will make a profit um the GameStop thing was interesting, though. I mean, did you lose any money on GameStop? Because I did. I I did because I'm a big dummy dumb, and I bought at a low enough value, and I was uh, a couple K up. I'll just put it like that. And I saw all these posts saying, oh, remove your like limit orders, whatever, because that like somehow Robinhood, which is this app, will do some shady stuff with it. So... I thought that meant like remove my stop loss orders, which is like a thing that like auto sells once it gets to a certain amount so to prevent you from losing money. Yeah, so I removed yeah. all of those mm. and then I was a dummy and then it lost a bunch of money. And then because I'm a I'm I just I didn't have the diamond hands that I I should have. I was like, <laughs> well, like you said, you know, it was dropping. I'm like, well. I don't want to lose any more money. So, of course, I sold it because I'm a, a loser. I'm a, a, a fickle coward. And then nowadays, <laughs> it's shot back up. Not as much, but I, I would have lost essentially nothing had I waited. So, you're so hard. I learned yourself. my lesson. Well, it's ridiculous, Mason, because GameStop's not worth jack shit. So, this stock, Exactly. Exactly. The, that's, the, the, I didn't trust the stock because I don't think GameStop is a multi-hundred dollar value company no. as much as... I love memeing on it. So I that I bought a sock I didn't trust in as part of a movement. And as much as I could say, oh, it feels good to like stand up to hedge funds and like the upper echelons of Wall Street and make a stand like as much as I can like tout that. And I'm glad I did that. Like really at the end of the day, I needed to be more selfish and be like stocks is about me making money. How do I best do that? I mean, GameStop has lost over a billion dollars in the last two years. I mean, they are, that stock's not worth like, I, w I wouldn't, honestly, like, 
all clowning aside, because GameStop is just like this big joke at the moment, you know, that stock's probably not worth five bucks. <laughs> so the fact that it's trading for 137 is just unbelievably idiotic. It's all just speculation. Um, for me, I, for me, I was listening to David Portnoy in his like morning Twitter thing, and that guy's. I believe he's a smart guy, but I also believe he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing uh, in the stock market. <laughs> just like us. Just like us. So he's he was like, oh, my God, they're going to oh, they're gonna open up the stock market and AMC's going to, it's a rocket ship, man. And, blah, 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 blah. and he, he's like, his like hype got me in. It was like, oh, I was like, I was like, fuck, maybe I should buy something. Like, maybe I should do it. I was like, what if it, I was like, what if it does do what GameStop did, AMC? And goes from like set nine dollars to like three hundred, and I was like, well, you know, because AMC was like, at, I don't even know, it was like nine dollars or something, and I was like, mm-hmm. well, maybe I should just put some money in. So, so I waited and got the price I sort of wanted. I bought it at like fourteen dollars. I only bought like a thousand dollars worth or fifteen hundred dollars worth, and like rather than go up, it just started falling like a rock, like a hot rock. And it dropped to like nine dollars in a blink, and I was like, "Well, fuck this!" And I was like, "I'm not gonna wait till this stupid thing goes back to a dollar and just lose all my money." So I sold and lost like four hundred bucks. But um, you know, in the grand scheme of the year, four hundred bucks wasn't such a bad thing. But you know, it's um. And now AMC is at what, like eight oh, dollars? Let me look. AMC's at AMC's at eight dollars. Yeah, it never really it never really took off the way GameStop did. Everybody thought it was going to. They're like, oh, AMC's the new GameStop. Like Reddit's moving over to, to AMC. You know, but it never it, it, it never got above uh it never got above nineteen dollars. And it was only at nineteen bucks for like a, for like a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, like eight, like I was saying. So, so but yeah, I mean it's it's uh you know, but I, I wish we could you spend- learn your lesson. Well, the, well, the lesson is don't buy into parabolic like surges. Like you don't want to buy, you don't want to buy a stock when the stock is up like a hundred percent. Because what happens is that you do you buy it, and then a bunch of people take their profits, and then it drops like thirty percent in a couple minutes because it's not really worth what it what it's worth when you bought it anyway. Because nothing nothing really goes up a hundred percent for for any kind of tangible valid reason, and then you lose 30% of your money in like five seconds because you're just gambling at that point. You know, it's, it's, it's a fucking reckless ass move. So like, um, um, as an example, Kodak, Eastman Kodak had, had, had a similarly, um, unbelievable moment where Kodak was worth, um, Kodak was worth $2 a share and we're going to run out of time here, but here's just a lesson. I was going to say, we could talk about stocks all day. As, as unfun as that is for people not involved, uh, put in $1,000, anything's fun. Yeah, I mean, because like, I, I mean, I would go into like why the the GameStop thing was so scary for the hedge funds and stuff. We don't have time. But like, here's the lesson. Here's here's a lesson for you that I'll leave people with is that like Kodak was, was, was worth uh, $2 for like a year straight. And then there was like a de- then they heard then there was like a rumor that there was going to be a deal with like the government or Amazon or somebody I can't remember. And Kodak went from two dollars to nine dollars in a day. So four hundred percent. And my mom bought it. She bought like five grand of it or something. And then the next day it went from nine dollars to sixty. And she was up twenty five grand. And I I should have stepped in and sold it for her, but I didn't. Um, and it never really hung in there. Like 
but by um by like the next by like the next hour it it was back to like $14. So they were like a lot of people that got like, "Oh my god, it's at 60. Now it's going to go to 400." But it's like, "No, it mm-hmm. won't. It won't. You're going to put your money in at 60. You're going to go take a shit and come back and it's going to be back at 10 and you will have lost 80% of your money while you were wiping your ass." And that's literally what happened. So like, do not put your money into like these parabolic surges because you might you could make money, but honest to god, like you could easily lose all your money too. And it's not really, that's not really what investing is. Like I don't, don't buy into FOMO. Don't buy into the hype. Just wait for the dip, buy something you believe in. And, uh, there's always going to be more chances to make money. So wait for, wait for the next big colossal drop. (laughs) I I will tell people though, that I think that there's lots of stocks you could still buy right now that are down because of the pandemic that there's still money to be made on. And I actually was, I've been pumping these stocks for like a year now. And, um, you know, they've all gone up really like a lot. So, you know, if you have money, you can throw it in there. I mean, I think that, I think the price of oil is going to keep going up for like probably for at least the next six months. So, you know, it's been going up for a while, but you know, I'm not a, I am not giving trade uh, investment advice. It's just entertainment. Just educational conjecture. It's kind of <laughs> it's kind of an obsession. And on the next episode of Finance Talk, we'll talk about the day when oil was, was worth negative sixty dollars a barrel. <laughs> yeah. And they were just paying people to take it. To just like, here, I'm gonna pay you money to go to take this barrel of oil. <laughs> it's like oh my god. That was a crazy day. I don't think it's ever happened before, by the way. So Okay, well that was I know people stopped listening like 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 twenty minutes ago. As soon as you end as soon as you finished talking about Dune, it was over. They were just rushing to the library to pick up their copy, that's all. <laughs> like, I don't want to hear about stocks. I don't know. I I love I love stock trading. I'm I'm like obsessed with it. So like I could talk about stocks for like four hours, but nobody else gives a fuck. So at least not that much of a fuck. So but, but we do have a finance section on the Discord, so if you're listening, you're not on there. You can you can't go in there. It's mostly the same six or seven people, but you know, we are talking about things, so Okay, well we got a podcast to do, so get out of here, you crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have a great day, everyone. Crazy animals.